gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love to hate the most, Niall Hessen, once again with another episode of Waking Up With The Truth for Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. If you guys are new to Waking Up With The Truth, I'm going to give you a very brief rundown on how this uh, series somewhat um, that we call it uh, works. Pretty much, I'll be going over some news and highlights from a lot of the leagues, or at least a couple of the leagues. Um, in sports, including things like the NFL, the NHL, golf, MLB, all that jazz. And it should be a relatively kind of quick podcast. You know, I'm not sitting here trying to do a 30-minute podcast and also not a 10-minute. Somewhere in between, um, just enough time to wake up in the morning, drink a cup of coffee, and get your sports fixed for the day. Without further ado, I think we can hop into it. Let's start with some NFL news um, occurring, you know, in the last day or two. The Bucks are signing Julio Jones to a one-year deal. Julio Jones, the 33-year-old, will be taking his talents down to South Beach. Actually, it's technically not South Beach. He'll be taking his talents to Tampa Bay, where he'll be partnered alongside one of the greatest, actually the greatest of all time, and Tom Brady. Tom Brady's gotten two new additions since the retirement of Rob Gronkowski, Kyle Rudolph, which would kind of suck to see as a Vikings fan. Um, he went over there, as well as now Julio. Tom Brady, you know, still has Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin on that side, so... The offense for the Buccaneers is looking really good. Obviously, getting a veteran receiver in Julio um, is going to be huge. His production was down a little bit this year, but that's to be expected with um, you know the talent around that team and that team focusing more on Derrick Henry. I do expect um, Julio's production to not be as high as he was with Atlanta, but definitely to be at least high with the Buccaneers um, compared to with the Titans. So definitely a good move there by the Bucs to uh, help give Tom Brady another weapon. Chris Carson uh, retires due to a neck injury. This is honestly very sad. Um, you know, Chris Carson failed the physical. He's been dealing with injuries his whole career. Um, definitely have felt that as a fantasy owner of his. Um, but still, you know, it's very sad to see. I believe he was 27 um, years old. And having to retire because of a neck issue is is actually very sad. Um, you know, it's, it's part of the game for some people. Um, you know, it's, it sucks to see. We've seen necks be one of those issues that um, really prevents people from, you know, performing. Prince Fielder retired with a neck issue. So other sports as well, they deal with it. Um, it's important to have a strong neck. Shout out to my boy Dawson on my bloodline team if he does have a strong neck. I'm sorry, if he if he is listening to this, because I know he doesn't have a strong neck. But it's still very sad. Um, the Zeoks this year look very confusing. Um, it's going to be hard to judge on them. It's going to be one of those teams that you're going to have to see down the line if they have any success um, just because of, you know, the new quarterback and all that stuff. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I definitely don't know what's going to happen, but it's very sad to see Chris Carson's career come to a, a close. This is an interesting one. Kyler Murray and his contract. If you guys do not know what I'm talking about, Kyler Murray got installed into his contract having to study at least four hours of film per week. Now, this is a very weird contract addition you never really normally don't see this especially publicized but this can signal one of two things one the cardinals front office wants to make sure if they're paying this guy 230 million dollars over five years um you know make sure he's good but two he might not be studying film like he should be as a leadership position in the nfl obviously kyler murray is in charge of that offense and so learning the playbook and studying film seeing defenders wide receivers all that stuff is very important he might not do a good job of that. You know, he's a very big, avid gamer. Um, he's made that very clear, you know, a big Black Ops guy. And it's just very interesting to see, especially become publicized, that, um, you know, 
this is like an issue because you normally don't see this in a contract. Now you'll see incentives and whatnot, but having to study four hours of film per week, how's that going to work if he doesn't do that? Like, let's say he does three hours a week. Does he just lose his contract for the week? You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's going to be very confusing, but honestly, it's more questioning Kyler Murray and it's just doesn't really look like a good image for him because there's NFL players, not even quarterbacks that probably study film for four hours a week. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, very interesting to, uh, to see that. Couple of Bengals news. Um, you know, Joe Burrow is going to be getting his appendix removed, which isn't necessarily the worst case scenario. Um, he will miss some time in training camp, so nothing too major there. Um, obviously, it'd be good for a season. And then Jesse Bates is still absent from training camp. He's continuously trying to find um, that new deal, which you know it's not a bad thing. But I've always been a big component. Like, if you're trying to negotiate a contract, no matter what, you show up for training camp because if you don't show up to training camp. And then the season's around around the corner. You might not have that chemistry on that team. Just might, you know, not be as good as as you're expecting. And finally, in the NFL, uh, Danny Amendola retires after 13 NFL seasons with two Super Bowl titles. Gotta love Amendola. He's made um, my team for fantasy a couple of times before. And um, overall, it's it's just a very interesting, uh, very interesting time. You know, obviously, it's kind of one of those things. It's like a childhood memory as, you know, the Julian Edelman's, Danny Amendola's for me growing up are starting to retire. So it's kind of interesting to see, but we'll see what happens there. Let's move on to the NBA real quick. Um, Sharif O'Neal signed a six-figure deal with G League Ignite. Um, he was on the Lakers summer league team, obviously didn't make the team, but making $600,000 to play for G League Ignite, that's definitely going to help his career moving forward. The Jazz and Knicks have expressed interest in Lakers' Russell Westbrook. This is going to be very interesting if he lands in Utah because Utah cleared the house um, pretty much when they got rid of Gobert. And then Donovan Mitchell, I believe, was also not on the team. I might, I might be tripping all about Oh, no, they're, they're trying to trade him. Never mind. I thought Donovan Mitchell for a second um, was not on the team, but he is on the team right now. If he's still on the team moving forward, it makes sense to get Russell Westbrook. If you were going to get him, I would not be getting Russell Westbrook for paying $47 million a year. If you get rid of Donovan Mitchell, then it doesn't really make sense to get Russell Westbrook because the, the Jazz and Danny Ainge, who runs you know the Jazz operations, has always been keen and prone to doing weird trades in a way. They got rid of Gobert, fine. They got all these draft picks and players from the Timberwolves. The same situation can be applied with the Donovan Mitchell trade. You're going to get about the same amount of picks and all that stuff. And it's just going to be like a, a big cycle. It's going to be like the Thunder 2.0, which is fine. But if you're going to do that, then why would you trade for Russell Westbrook? Because then you'll have Russell Westbrook and a bunch of, I wouldn't say bums, but you know, obviously a different team and a bunch of young talent. It doesn't really make sense for the Jazz right now. And Knicks also is kind of confusing because they're in the process of trying to get Donovan Mitchell too. Um, so I don't know. You know, Russell Westbrook, I think, will be playing in L.A. The only logical thing I don't see um, Russell Westbrook making it to L.A. is if, you know, something like um, a trade to the Nets for KD or even Kyrie. Um, it, it would be one of those situations that I would see kind of something like that happen. But the Jazz and Knicks right now, even if they don't trade any players, um, it, it just would be very confusing to see. Moving on to the MLB, um, we're just going to go over the, in the MLB, we're going to go over the uh, the scores, or I should say the um, predictions, my predictions for the day, including betting picks. Let's start things off in Philadelphia. The Atlanta Braves travel to Philly, the first to travel to Phillies, travel to Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. Morton on the mound and Gibson on the mound for the Phillies. 
this is going to be a good one. Um, no betting info currently as I'm recording this. I'm going to go with the Braves and Charlie Morton in this one. Um, Charlie Morton has had a little bit of a struggle year compared to previous years. And this is a rubber match between the two teams. Um, both teams have won one game in the series. I think Charlie Morton will get the edge in this one. Um, I've always liked Charlie Morton just with his experience and that winning culture he brings. Had a solid start in his last one, six scoreless innings, so I like him going in that one there. The Padres traveled, or will continue to travel the, the, to Detroit. There we go. Take on the Tigers. You Darvish taking on Tariq Scovel, both ERAs in the threes. This is going to be a good one as well. Um, the, the Padres and the Tigers, again, this is going to be a rubber match. Both have split one game um, against each other. And I also believe this one's going to be a very good pitcher's duel. Um, I've always liked good pitcher's duels. And, um, yeah, right now the Padres are the favorite, respectively, second in the NOS compared to fifth in the Central. And I think that one can, can definitely um, go in the Padres' favor as well. The only thing that would help the Tigers win is if Tariq Scovel has a good game um, because he's been one of those kind of young guns. Kind of like Charlie Morton, he had six scoreless innings in his last start. So hopefully that will carry over. Um, his previous starts where he's given up uh, zero earned runs has actually um, helped him you know, get zero in the next start. It's when he gives up earned runs that he kind of has a, a bad pattern moving forward. Moving on to the Angels taking on the Royals. Jansen Junk, my boy. Um, I was there actually at a Jansen Junk game last season when he made his MLB debut. So I have a special connection with him. You know, if, if you were to point at me at a crowd, you'd know who I am. Taking on Brad Keller. Um, Keller is 5 and 10 with 101 pitches and a 4.16 ERA. This one's going to be interesting. Um, I'm definitely, I don't even know who I'm going to pick here. I probably would pick the Royals just because. Keller's got more experience in junk um, this season. Um, Brad Keller has thrown literally 100 more innings than him. And Brad Keller, it's not that he's had a bad year. His ERA is at 4.16, which isn't great, but he's 5-10. and 10. He plays with the Royals to so give him no run support. I like the Royals winning that one at home. The Nationals take on the Dodgers. Patrick Corbin, 4-13 um, and 13 record, 104 innings pitch in the 6 ERA. Boy, has he been one of the biggest disappointed signings in MLB history. Taking on my boy Andrew Heaney, um, who I believe is making his first start um, You know, since that one quick stint he had um, coming back from injury, who's only pitched 15 and a third, but has a .59 ERA. I mentioned him being my boy just because um, when I went to the one Dodgers game this year against the Reds at Dodger Stadium, he, uh, he ended up pitching. I'm going to go with the National. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the Dodgers in this one, not the Nationals, because A, the Dodgers have lost the last two games against the Nationals, which is really weird. To, it's just weird to think. Like, how is this possible? It happened with the Yankees and the. Uh, who was it? The Yankees. Oh, it was the. Uh, was it the Nationals? Am I, am I tripping? No, it wasn't the Nationals. Now, this is going to bug me who it was. But the Yankees lost two out of three to a team that had no. <laughs> In the Bronx, too, had no, basically, prevalence of being there. Anyways, the Dodgers have lost their uh, last two against them. I don't see them losing and getting swept by the Nationals for a third game. And with Andrew Heaney, how good he's been this year, it's nice to see him back and healthy. So I like them in this one. It just sucks for Patrick Corbin, man. I feel for him um, just because he's had a really rough go after signing that massive deal. But I guess that's part of the game. The White Sox travel to Colorado to take on the Rockies. Lucas Giolito versus Antonio Santelza, Zatella. I don't know why I can't speak right now. Maybe it's because it's 12.05 at night. This is going to be an interesting one. The bats are going to be flying here. Both teams have been hitting the ball really well. 
Um, obviously, playing in Colorado, that definitely helps. Giolito's had a very disappointing year for the White Sox compared to previous years, especially his last start, three innings and six earned runs. But it, honestly, it's not a bad thing because typically when he has a bad start, he has a good start. So I expected him to have another good start here in this one. Um, the over-under is 11.5. I guess it is in Coors Field. I would bet the under in this one. Um, I do think Giolito is going to have a good game in San Zatella can also keep their team in there with a five-year race. So I'm going to go with the under, and I'm also going to go with the White Sox on the road there. The Astros travel to Oakland to face the Athletics. Christian Javier taking on Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin actually is a 3.08 ERA and 102.1 innings pitched, um, taking, on, uh, taking on Christian Javier in this one. The Astros, again, they have lost the last two games to the Athletics. It's like a, it's seriously like a trend. Oh, it was the Reds. The the Reds took two out of three against the Yankees recently in the Bronx. It's just weird. It's just I don't I don't get it. It's baseball, which is why I love baseball so much, and the competitiveness between the leagues. Um, it definitely gives the upper edge to baseball. Anyways, um, I do think that the Astros are going to win this one. Kind of the same situation with the Dodgers. I just don't expect them to be getting swept. Up. You don't expect teams like that to get swept. Yeah, you can lose two out of three, but even the Yankees didn't get swept. The Giants travel to Arizona to take on the D-backs. This is going to be a good pitching matchup. Logan Webb, who has an ERA over at ERA at 2.77 and 123 innings pitch, taking on Zach Gallen, a 3.31 ERA. This is a very good one, a good matchup, I should say. Logan Webb, more underrated this year. Obviously, last year in the postseason, he broke out, and uh, respectively so. But really, he's had a quiet year this year. Yeah, you know, Giants fans are probably talking about him, but really not too many people are also talking about him. I do like the Diamondbacks in this one. I think the Diamondbacks complete the sweep. The Giants have been really skidding as of late, uh, but this is also going to be a game where you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants win. You know, the Giants are on a six game losing streak. They want to turn things around before moving on. Um, but Gallon's pitched really well. Logan Webb's pitched really well. I am going to bet the over though, just because usually over unders at seven point five, um, it tends to be over no matter what, just because you have to have a score of four or two or less. So. It could be a good pitcher's duel, and I do believe it being so. I do see the bullpens maybe having a little bit of an issue, but nothing too insane. It's going to be a good one, though, and, uh, and I do think the Diamondbacks get the sweep. The Twins take on the Brewers, my Twinkies. Chris Archer on the mound versus Corbin Burns. Um, this is a really shitty situation as a Twins fan. You really can never bet against Corbin Burns. Had another phenomenal year so far. This one, I'm going to go to the Brew crew. I think the Brewers pick this one up and win or sweep the two-game set. Um, just because, you know, it's really hard to hit against Corbin Burns, especially when the Twins' bats are down. The Twins' pitching is not very good, especially their bullpen um, towards the end of the game. So it's kind of make or break, um, you know, having a good start and getting the bats rolling. I just don't see that happening tonight. The Rangers take on the Mariners. John Gray versus Marco Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez, 5-10 record, but a 3.74 ERA. That goes back to the run support, especially early on in the year. Um the Mariners, after losing that game, I believe won the last two against the Rangers. Yes, they have. The Rangers, um, they've beat them twice. They're looking for the sweep here. They definitely have the great guy in Marco Gonzalez doing so. I do expect the Mariners to sweep at home against the Texas Rangers. Mar Mar Marlins taking on the Reds. Braxton Garrett versus Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo, a very high trade candidate this year um, in the Reds organization. He's had a phenomenal year. I like the Reds in this one. Um, they split the first two games between the two teams. Um, Braxton Garrett um, has also had a pretty good year, relatively low, um, 47 innings pitched and 3.4 ERA. But Castillo Man's been just too good. 
um, in you know his starts. The over under is eight. I'm gonna go heavy on the over there. I just don't see um, you know Braxton Garrett having much success. And if Castillo struggles, you know the runs will continuously go up. But I do like the Reds winning at home and taking the series there. The Rays take on the Orioles. Drew Rasmussen versus Tyler Wells. I'm going to go with the Orioles in this one. They're 49 and 48, currently fourth in the AL East. Um, Orioles have honestly had a pretty good year. They've won two straight, and they're going to go for the sweep here against the Rays. I normally don't like picking sweeps because it's kind of hard to sweep in baseball unless you're on the run. But Tyler Wells has had a very good year for the Orioles. As, you know, the pitching staff, one of the more underrated pitchers is ERA is at three, um, and then also 90 innings pitch. So I like the Orioles winning this one at home and completing the three-game set. Sweep, I should say. The Cardinals take on the Blue Jays. Again, Wainwright taking on Gossman. Another good pitcher's duel here in Toronto. The Cardinals have lost two straight. Um, and I think they're going to lose three straight here. Gossman's just been too good. The Blue Jays' offense has just been too good. And I just see the Blue Jays really having success. Wainwright's been you know, in the league now for forever. So when he has rough games, he usually bounces back. He had a rough one in his last start. Five and a third of seven, eight, seven earned runs. Um, against the Reds. So we'll see what happens here. I do think Wayno will struggle a little bit. I think just Gosman's going to be on his game, and uh, that's going to be the reason why uh, the Blue Jays end up winning that one. The Guardians take on the Red Sox. Uh, Cal Cantrell versus Nathan Evaldi. I don't know who I'm going to pick in this one. If I had to pick, I'd probably pick the Guardians just because they won their last game, and it's going to be another rubber match. I also like Cantrell on the mound. 105 innings pitched, 3.75 ERA. One of the more underrated players for that Cleveland Guardians team. He did give up two through five in his previous start, but six scoreless in the one before that. So I think the momentum for him is continuously going to go forward. Uh, over or under at nine, I'm going to go with the under in this one. I think this one's going to be a relatively good pitcher's duel. Um, let's see how the other games look just to see if it kind of backs up what I was saying. Um, six, sorry, three, one, and eight, three. So kind of around the same age. A very good over under um, prediction there. I still like the Guardians, and I also like the under in this one. I think it's just going to be a good matchup. Finally, the Yankees take on the Mets. Domingo Herman taking on Max Scherzer. I'm going to go with the Mets in this one. You know, Herman had a really rough start in his first, um, you know, game back since um, dealing with whatever. Mad Max has just been too good. You can never pick against Mad Max. And if you do, you're basically curious because Mad Max is a madman, so. Anyways, guys, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth, another episode with Waking Up With The Truth for July 27th, 2022. I'm sorry it's been a little bit since I've been doing this. Um, I've been, you know, not, I shouldn't say dealing with some stuff because I'm totally fine. I've been busy with some other stuff. I just finished my summer season and I'm about to go on vacation, so I'm going to try to get you guys some podcasts as best I can. But make sure you stay up to date with The Truth. Um, football season's coming up, man. I'm very excited about it. Um, I will be posting hopefully in the next week or two, um, the schedule for, or tentative schedule, I should say, um, for some podcasts coming up, uh, football related. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to another, uh, another episode. Make sure you guys like, share, whatever you guys do. And I'll talk to you guys in the next one. And good night. Peace.